My family and my kids are all learning three different languages, which is pretty amazing. And my wife and I, we speak Spanish, and we've picked up a few coming up words in Quiche as well. Um, but we love being there. I want to let you guys know there's going to be an opportunity coming up later this year to hear more about a trip to go next summer to go down and join us there in Guatemala. So if any of you are interested in that, talk to Pastor Daniel and Kendra and some of the others, and they can get you information about how you can come down and be part of what we're doing. All right, well, I want to um, tell you guys a story about um, some of the things that happened down in Guatemala. There's a, um, a little boy, Atsi, um, his name is Jose Mario, and he was about 10 or 11 when we first met him. He's about 13 now, and his job, is there anybody um, who has, maybe has a, a younger sibling who's about um, 12? Has younger sibling? Okay. Imagine your younger sibling um, going out and had to get a job so that he can help provide money for your family. Well, his job is to shine shoes. Now, I've got these boots on. I wear these boots almost all the time. And the reason is, is because I don't like having wet feet. And so these keep my feet dry, but they get dirty. And so um, this boy, Jose Mario, he comes around every Saturday and he'll shine the sho um, our shoes in the neighborhood. And so he comes by and I've built a relationship with him, got to know him. And since I first met him, his father passed away. His father um, had a, a huge problem with alcohol, and he ended up drinking and eventually dying as a result of that. And so he has about 11 siblings. So he comes from a very large family and uses his talent of shiny shoes to help make some money for his family. Well, he comes around, like I said, we've built a relationship with him, and he comes in our yard, and we give him a little snack and um, something to drink, and he'll shine my shoes. And I usually sit down with him and say, Jose Mario, um, como esta su familia? How's your family? And um, he'll tell me a little bit, but he's a pretty quiet guy. Well, just a few weeks um, ago, back in August, he came to our house, and I was talking to him, and he said, uh, I asked him how his family's doing, because we've built a relationship with his family. We actually helped um, his mom. Um, we helped build a house for his mom with a team that came down, because she was living in a little shack made out of corn stalks and a tin roof. And so we, wor we worked with his family. And, and I asked him, how's your family doing? He said, ah, oh, muy mal, very badly. I said, well, well, what happened? He said, oh, my brother fell and broke his leg. And so I was like, oh, wow, when did this happen? Oh, three days ago. So it's been three days since his brother had fallen and broken his leg. And I said, well, did he go get an x-ray or has he gotten his check out? And he said, no, 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 because somebody came and told us that if we go to the doctor, they'll cut his leg off. And so I was like, oh, no, you're getting some bad information here. And so I, I asked, well, um, you know, get an x-ray you know, or things like that. And, and he said, well, what we did is we went to a bone lady. Now, down in Guatemala, we live up in the mountains. We live kind of back in the sticks. And they have what are called bone ladies. Now, as you can imagine, that's already heading in a bad direction. A bone lady is a lady who has somehow decided that she's good at helping fix bones. And so she put some cream on his leg, and then she put a cardboard box around it, and then she tied it off with a rag. And I think most of you know that that's not going to do much good for a broken leg. But that's what they did, and he was lying there. So we said, hey, can we come visit him? His name's Pedro. So we went out to visit Pedro, and we um, drove the, our little van out through the cornfields and climbed up this hill, and we got up there. And I was imagining, you know, okay, I've got a, a friend of mine with me. We can probably help him get down to the van if we can convince him to go to the hospital. And they told us it took six guys to get him up to the house. And so I'm imagining, okay, I'm not going to be able to help out a whole lot. We're going to have to figure out something else. So my wife and I go. We, we um, talked to him. We actually shared the, um, the Lord with him. And then we, we prayed for him, and we said, you know, you really should go to the hospital and get an x-ray. And like, oh, you know, they'll cut off my leg, right? And so we ended up deciding to let's, let's talk to him some more. We convinced him, you know what, you can just go. We'll help you get the x-ray, and then if you want to go home, you can go home. So we got an ambulance there. We got him to the hospital, went through this whole process, and he's sitting there at the hospital. He has an x-ray. His femur is in two pieces completely separate like this. 
And so his leg is really badly broken, and it's not going to heal on its own. So the doctor explained to him what would happen if he doesn't get it fixed. And it was interesting because Pedro was lying there on the gurney getting a lot of information. And down there, they do a lot of things by committee. They want everybody to be involved. And so his family was standing there around him as they were deciding, are we going to go home and just let him lie on the ground in a lot of pain and never walk again? Now, this man, Peter, he was 25 years old, had an 11-day-old baby, and his job was driving a bus. And if he didn't have his leg working, he was going to be lying flat on his back the rest of his life unless, unless a miracle happened. So we gave him as much good information as we could. We found out how much it would cost. We said, we'll, we'll help you with some of these expenses to, to get your leg uh, fixed because down there they have to pay for the, the parts. The doctor will do the surgery for free, but they have to pay for the, the plate and all that stuff. So he was at a moment in his life where he had to decide, am I going to go and get my leg fixed or am I just going to go home? Now for you or I, that would probably be a pretty easy decision. But his family was there and discussing, and they'd heard all these horror stories about him getting his leg cut off. And so he had to decide what he was going to do. Just a little bit, I'm going to tell you what Peter decided. But I want you guys to realize something, that each one of us comes to a point in our life, and many times we face those decisions time and time again, where we have to make a decision that's going to affect us for the rest of our life. And I want to encourage you guys to look at a story in the Bible with me, and let's look and see how we can have really good information and really bad information, and we have to decide what we're going to do. So if you would look in your Bibles with me, go to 2 Chronicles 10, 13, and 14. And I'm going to kind of set up this story of what's going on, and then we're going to look at those verses. There was a man named Solomon. Now, you've probably heard of him in the Bible, who the wisest king there ever was. He had a son named Rehoboam. Now, I hope that I picked up on the wisdom from my dad. But you know what? Rehoboam didn't quite pick up as much as he should have. Because he was the wisest king in the world's son, but when he came to having a decision made, he didn't make a very good decision. Rehoboam had to decide how to respond to the people, because the people had come to him and said, hey, your dad made us work really hard, and it was really rough, and we want a break, so hey, would you help us out? And if you do, we'll serve you really well. So he said, well, let me get some advice. So he called on the, the wise guys, the, the advisors for his dad, and said, hey, what do you guys think? What should I do? And they said, well, you should listen to the people, and you should do what um, they're saying, and they'll serve you really well. He said, hmm, you know, but I really like having a lot of people to work for me. Let me go ask these guys. So he went over to um, his buddies and asked his friends and said, hey, you guys are young like me. What, what do you guys think? What should I tell the people? And they said, oh, you should just stick it to them and tell them that, you know, you got to work even harder for me. And so Rehoboam had a point in his life where he had to make a decision. And he decided to go with the young guys and tell the people that you're going to have to work harder, I'm going to stick it to you, it's going to be even worse. And the kingdom of Israel was split because he made the wrong decision. But did you know that each one of us, young or old, in school or out of school, making decisions all the time, we have that opportunity to make a really good decision or make a really bad one. Just like Pedro was laying there deciding whether he was going to go get his leg fixed or he was going to go home. We have to decide, are we going to do what God's word says or are we not? Now, sometimes it's, it's something really clear. You're at the store, your friend says, hey, let's just take this. Or you're at school and your buddy says, hey, can I cheat off your paper or, or something? And 
you have that baseline that you know, ah, this isn't right to do. But you know what? We have those decisions we have to make and decide how we're going to respond. So in 2 Chronicles 10, 13, the king answered them harshly and rejected the advice of the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. And it split the kingdom, as I said. We have opportunities to get unwise advice from maybe friends, from ungodly advisors, maybe someone who is intentionally trying to lead us the wrong way. Through media, different things like that. Those, all that information that we're getting, it affects how we're going to make the decisions in our life. Down in Guatemala, we have a Bible school that we work with. One of the reasons is because there are pastors who they are called to minister to people, but they don't know God's word. And so sometimes they might preach a sermon and say, hey, I had this dream. And so this is what you should do. But he's not going back to the word of God. That's why we are teaching the people how to go back to God's word and check those dreams, check those, check those advices they get from other people and say, what does God's word say? Because God's word is a standard for our lives. And if we use that as a baseline, we use that as a, a, a guideline to check with and say, what does God's word say about how I should handle this situation or that situation? Even as young people, as, as youth, we can go back to God's word and say, how should I handle this? You know what, there are things that in the Bible, and, and some of them are, are really simple. I'm going to talk about those in just a minute. But, but listen to this. It says, um, where can we get good advice from wise leaders, from our parents and godly um, people who are in our lives? But primarily from God's words. We need to have God's word in our life. We need to be reading God's word on a regular basis so that we know when something passes through our mind or passes through our decision-making process, we can run it through the filter of God's word and say, you know what, this is good or this is not. But if we don't have that as a filter, we're just taking everything in, just like Rehoboam did. And we can make some really bad decisions because we're not thinking about things that the word of God makes clear. It's interesting because um, Pastor Dwayne, I heard him, um, uh, this is a quote from him. He said, unrequested advice is seldom taken. You know what? The Bible tells us to seek out wisdom, to look for good advice. We need to go to God's word and we need to go to godly people who can give us wisdom to be able to make decisions. But if we're not seeking it out, you know what? A lot of times we won't listen to it. But if we seek God's word and we seek the truth that will help us make decisions, we will be able to make decisions that will impact our lives in the right way. In Proverbs 12, 26, it says this, The godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. We need to have good godly friends for giving us good advice, but we do need to seek that out. In 2 Peter 1, 5-9, it says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? I'm a missionary. I live in Guatemala. I want to be effective. I want to be productive for the kingdom of God. And then you know what? In each one of you, God has a great plan, a great purpose. And he wants you to be productive and effective in his kingdom. But you know what? 
we need to go to his word. We need to get good advice from his word so we have that strong foundation so that we can walk out good decisions. What's interesting is just like Pedro, he had a lot of good advice. We've given him a lot of wisdom. But you know what? He could have sat there and gone home and lain on his little mat for the rest of his life if he hadn't put that action, that um, information into action. In the Bible, it talks about the two men. They were builders. And Jesus talked about, if we hear God's word but don't do it, we are like a man who builds his house on the sand. Now, just um, this past weekend, I was up north, and we were staying at a place right near the, the beach, and um, we got to see the, the seagulls and all this. It was really funny. There were some, some people who went out, and they were having breakfast on the beach, and they, they left their food too long, and the seagulls attacked, and it was really awesome. Um, but we stayed away from those. But we saw the sand, and it made me think about that. Of You know what? People can build their houses on something that's unstable. And that's what we do with our lives if we look at God's word, but we don't put it into action. Or we can be like, when I was up there, I saw a lighthouse. You know what? That lighthouse has been through a lot of storms. But I bet that lighthouse has a foundation that goes down deep into something solid, not a bunch of sand. The Bible talks about those two builders. One who builds his house on the sand is the one who hears God's word but does not do it. And the other who builds his house on a rock. And he hears God's word and he puts it into action. That's what I want to challenge you guys today. You can get a lot of good advice. You can hear a lot of different types of advice. But you need to filter it. Figure out what lines up with God's word and apply it in your life by putting it into action. Because if you do not, you're like Pedro and you're like the man who's building on the sand. You're in an unstable situation. But if you put it in action, and you know what? It doesn't mean you're always going to get it right. But what's going to happen is as you make one good decision after another, it's like if somebody says, how, how do you... How do you um, walk 100 miles? Well, one step at a time. But you need to head in the right direction. If you are headed in the wrong direction or you're not taking steps, you're never going to get there. But if you put God's word in action, you're going to head the right way. Now, I want to point out just a few things that God's word says, just some, some tips for you guys. There's lots more, but just some tips to help you on, like, what are some things that are practical that we can, we can put into um, uh, action? For example, worrying. How often do we worry about maybe our, our upcoming test or we've got to decide what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. We're about to go to college or um, what am I going to do with this situation? My, my parents are having a, um, a rough time right now. How, can, how am I going to respond to this? The Bible says in Matthew 6.25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Jesus goes on to talk about what we eat and what we drink and what we wear. That God wants us to be putting our confidence in him. But how often do we walk through life worrying about different situations? In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. In other versions, it says, he'll make your paths straight. The Bible says that the word of God can be a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. But you know what? We need to go to it. We can't just stick it under our pillow and think that by, os by osmosis we're going to just absorb this. You know what? We can't even just go to church and think that just by hearing it, being here on a Wednesday night or Sunday morning, that you know what? I'm good. 
We need God's word to be saturating us. And we do that by studying it, by reading it, by meditating on it, and applying God's word in our lives. Sometimes we settle for having sickness and disease in our lives. People say, well, that's just normal. It's part of life. We live in a cursed world. But you know what? Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes not to accept a Steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want that abundant life that God has for me. I don't want to settle for living a life of being okay with having a disease or that. You know what? I don't know all the answers, but I know that God's word is true. So I'm going to stand on that. We don't have to do something because of fear that it might be unpopular. You know, there's a guy in the Bible who dealt with unpopularity and he decided to make a decision even though he had good information. His name's Pilate. He was in front of a crowd and the crowd was saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate sat down and he got a message from his wife. Now guys, you may not be married yet, but someday you're going to be married and you should listen to your wives <laughs> because they can give you good advice. Pilate had a wife who gave him good advice. She had had a dream about Jesus. And she said, hey, don't mess with the guy. Leave him alone. But Pilate looked at that crowd and said, you know what? This is a touchy situation. I'm just going to give them what they want. So he had Christ crucified. You know what? I'm thankful that God had a good plan behind all that. But you know what? Pilate made the wrong decision. He had good information, but he didn't act on it. We need to put the truth in action. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need the word of God. We need to hear it and meditate on it and put it in action so that we can grow in our faith. And it also says that if we love Christ, we'll keep his commands. Isn't that interesting? We can say, well, I love Jesus. He's really awesome. He's in charge of my life. But you know what? I don't, don't really do what he says. Do we really love him if we don't obey him? Down in Guatemala, I describe it when I'm talking to somebody about Christ. I, I describe it as when you accept Christ, you're, you're making him your Lord. But that's kind of confusing. What does that mean? Señor is the same word we use in Guatemala for sir or mister. So I describe it this way. I say, when you accept Jesus, you're making him the boss of your life. You're putting him in charge of everything that you do. So if we make Jesus the Lord or boss of our life, and he tells us to do something, if your boss told you to do something, wouldn't you do it? That's what we need to do with Christ. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. Okay, a couple quick keys to practicing God's word. First, Love God with all your heart. And if we love God, we'll obey him. We'll trust him. We'll want to be in fellowship with him. Maybe some of you are dating, or maybe some of you um, have friends who are dating, or, or saw somebody get married maybe this summer. You know what? I bet they really like spending time together. Because they love each other. We need to be in fellowship with God. Love your neighbor. That's the second point. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be thinking of others. Think about those 
students in your school who kind of stand off. They're kind of off by themselves. But you know what? They're probably longing for somebody to come and talk to them. Yes. The Bible says that we should do unto others as we want them to, to do unto us. I have three little kids, and I'm trying to teach them the principles of God's word. And it's interesting. I'm trying to teach them to do unto others as they want others to do unto them. It takes some work, but eventually they're going to get it. But you know what? There are times that I'm trying to teach my kids stuff, and I feel like God's saying, Michael, that attitude is in you. And I realize, Lord, you're right. I need to change that in me. Please help me change that in me. Because I don't want to just look at God's word and think that's a nice idea. I want to put it into action in my life. We need to be honest. Treat others with respect and kindness. The Bible says we need to love our enemies. Give to others. If somebody gives us too much change or does something like that or drops something, don't be like, woohoo, got some extra change there. Give it back. In Guatemala, in the market, a lot of times they have scales, and so they're weighing them. The Bible talks that we need to have fair scales so you're not taking more than you should. Every believer is called to take God's word and apply it in their lives. We need to share God's word. Sometimes that's really scary. But wouldn't you have wanted someone to tell you if you didn't know? You know, when down in Guatemala, I see people worshiping in the marketplace in front of the church, worshiping the Mayan gods behind the cemetery, burning fiery candles and trying to seek a blessing from the Mayan gods. The reason my family and I are there is to bring the truth to people so that they will know that God does want to bless them. He does want them to know him. Because there are people down there who, they're carrying idols through the street, thinking that if I do this, I'll have my sins forgiven for a year. You know what? If I didn't know that my sins are forgiven because I have a loving God, I'd be looking for an answer. You all have opportunities around you to share God with somebody. To share the love of Jesus Christ with somebody else. But you know what? You need to listen. You need to have God's word in your heart and be ready to take that to your neighbor. We need to apply God's word in our lives. We need to put it into practice. So Pedro, what do he do? He's got a broken leg. Thankfully, he made a good decision. He... By the time we got back in, I, I had had the doctor talk to him, and the doctor said, you know what, if you don't get this fixed, you'll never walk again. You'll be lying flat on your back. You'll be a, um, a liability for your family. You'll have bed sores. He was very graphic about it. I won't say that here, but um, I was like, this guy's good. He was given good information to help him make a good decision. And so we got him over to the, the public hospital where he was going to have surgery later on, and, and my wife and I, we um, took some of the money that um, we had, and we from the donations that have come in, we, we used that to help him get his surgery done. And um, I went over there, that was on Saturday, and I went over there on Monday or Tuesday to, to see how things were going and to, to take care of some of the finances. And I met with his mom and his brother. Now, in Guatemala, over there, you don't have, um, at the, the hospital, you don't have visiting hours like they do here where you can get a bed next to your child or something like that. There's one hour of visiting hour, one a day. 
And so his mom and his brother were camping out outside the hospital to be close to him because they didn't have enough money to go home on the little taxis and come back. So I was visiting them, and I, I went and took care of some of the finances, and then I said, um, now, have you, um, have you guys had something to eat? And they were like, no. I said, well, let's go get you something to eat. So we went over, we were getting ready to grab something to eat, and I said, well, when was the last time you guys ate? And he said, oh, Friday. This is Monday or Tuesday. I was like, let's get you guys something to eat. So we got him some food. And as we were in the parking lot getting ready to head back out to the, um, to the hospital to drop them off, I stopped. And I said, do you, guys, do you guys know why we're doing this, why we're helping you? And they were like, because my brother hurt his leg? I said, well, the reason we're doing this is because Jesus loves you. And I was able to share with them about Christ. And you know what? You know what? Pedro, he got his surgery done that Friday. And I saw him a few weeks later when he was going to a therapist to, to get, some, get a, um, a walker so that he could start walking and getting up on his leg. And you know what? Through this whole process, we got to share the gospel with Pedro, and he ended up accepting the Lord. And you know what? What we're doing there is not just trying to hand out money or, or hand out um, some help here or there, but to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Guatemala. But it's not just in Guatemala that they need to hear the gospel. It's also your neighbors, your friends, that weird kid down the road, they need to know Christ. And you guys have something that they might not. And God's word is that good information that we need to put into practice and apply in their lives. But you know what? The first step of that is to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Because there may be some of you here who've been like, you know what, I've heard a lot of this, or maybe you're here for the first time, but you're saying, I, I hear this stuff, or I've heard about Jesus, but... I don't really know what to do with that. Because just like Pedro, he had a lot of good information, but he had to decide, and he had to understand what to do with that information. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. All the bad thoughts, all the bad actions, everything bad thing you've done, those things that nobody else knows about, Jesus died for that, to forgive you and to set you free so you can live a life.